Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. PK. Yes, Dave. Are you ready for another day? <laughs> day. The countdown. We've been doing it. We're a day closer to football, he yeah. says, for every day for a month now. I don't know that I'm ready for another day, but I'm grateful for another day. Oh, that's great, PK. <laughs> you got to be grateful for what you have. That's true. There's a song in my favorite band, Old Dominion, and they say, it's what I have, not what I had. And I think that's deep. That is deep. I was pondering how deep it was, and I realized pondering isn't very good radio. (laughs) Wait, it's getting real quiet around here. So you got to, you got whatever you have... You've got to be grateful for, right? I mean, unless you have a disease or something, but you know, I'm talking about good things. And so if you have another day, yeah, we got today. We got tonight. Who needs tomorrow? There was. I knew that was coming. Let's make it last, Dave. Let's find a way. I think we have made it last. <laughs> so I'm excited for today. It's Friday, man. And it's the last Friday before our football, every fo- everybody's football, Arizona and Hawaii, and then next week for real, and then you do wait. It's it's funny because the month of August it takes a long time, but once college football starts, seems like that time between the college football and the start of the NFL football is almost like a blink of an eye. Because once I have real football then the NFL is right around the corner. And when you're in the first week of August, it seems like it's months and months away. But once real football comes, it gets here pretty quick. And then it's and then you get and then my gosh, of all the seasons, not times of year, but athletic seasons, sporting seasons, I think football goes the fastest, particularly college football. Well it does because it's the shortest. I mean, it literally I, goes the fastest. It's 12 games it, spread out over 13 this year, that. 14 weeks. But I, I understand the time, the literal time frame. The, you say time goes fast. Well, time time moves at the same rate at all times. But nevertheless, it just seems like it goes fast. Faster than the actual time. I think that's for a couple reasons. Probably three. One, the actual time is what it is and it's shorter. Two... With the start of the NBA and the end of baseball in there, there's so much going on. And also, I find that the seasons that I enjoy, time moves faster, and the seasons I don't enjoy, time drags. Winter lasts. Yeah, but that's seasons of the year. Ever. I'm talking about sporting right. seasons. But in sporting seasons, in the fall, parallel to football going on, we are leaving behind, transitioning from my favorite season, summer, into my least favorite season, winter, and it seems like that winter just comes hurling at me in like 15 minutes. So I think all those things make the time pass, just bam, 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 bam. The days, and they also have another line in another song. These guys are very deep. Uh, The days will be long, but the years will fly right by. So in the moment, sometimes it seems long. Like, the winter does seem long, but also, at the same time, when we wake up, the Jazz will start, and it'll seem so quick, and they got 25 games under their belts. Seem like it, when I look at them playing, it goes by fast. And then 
then we're they're forty games into it, and it's half of the season already. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, whoa. And then I to me, February drags a little bit because they take a week off. Definitely drags. Yeah, they, I, I can't. And I know why they're doing it, and I don't like it. And somebody Agreed. needs to come up with something in the world of sports in that that really gets me going because they take that week off right after the NFL ends. I mean, that has got. Can we That's have a, a summit? We need you know, like presidents and prime ministers get together, and there's a summit, and it's a big deal. We need a commissioner summit, guys. We're letting down the sporting public in February. The NFL has just quit, and the NBA well, takes a break. And that's where I think the Pac-12, then, they should jump in and play some football because they can get some 1 o'clock starts. They could. Yeah. They really could. You could have a 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock doubleheader. And there'd be no problem. Forget about these late nights. Perfect. Yeah. Play one random game out there. Let's put the so spring the in the spring football. Wants timing of games... Oh, well, yeah, there's is... I got two options. Hey, this show will be different, man. The LA Gladiators, the XFL, will be kicking off with Norm Chow as our offensive coordinator. Yeah. That'll that'll keep us going in February. You better pay attention quick. How many weeks will that last? If Pac-12 wants to solve its exposure problem for television, play games in July and February. Then you can have exclusive windows. Perfect. Right. Perfect. College basketball doesn't work for you. No. Less than ever. Less than ever. Yep. I don't yeah, think I've in my entire they, life If the been, locals won more, I think that would change it. And I completely agree with that. But the fact that I can sit here before the season starts and just look at a bunch of freshmen and sophomores on the Ute roster and think, can you win with the JC lineup? It's all freshmen and sophomores. Don't you need juniors and seniors? I mean, you don't if you're Kentucky and you got five of the top 20 recruits in the country. Yeah. Well, just try to keep a couple of those guys around that for would a few be great. years. But I'm looking forward to this weekend. You get a little bit of football. A little bit of football. I hate that summer goes away, but once we get to the third week of August, I've accepted it. Because <laughs> school has started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish it didn't work like that. I don't understand. I always went back to school after Labor Day and then got out in mid-June. doesn't work that way anymore. But I've accepted that. And then in another month or so, I'll start looking forward to some Christmas plans. Always got to have something out there to look forward to. Some some arbitrary thing. We're going to do this. Mm. Whatever it might be, you know. Uh, and I'm so I, I create these. It's like when I travel. If I drive to St. George, I don't drive to St. George. I drive to Fillmore. Then I drive to Beaver. Then I drive to Cedar City. It, like in my mind, it breaks it up. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, even though I don't stop at any of these places. <laughs> you just blow right on through? Yeah. Usually, maybe stop to get gas at one of them, but normally, just, yeah, just drive right through. So, somehow, it, and I do that when I, when I get on the treadmill. I, I take it, in my mind, I don't look at, when I start at zero, I don't look at the treadmill and see the time itself until the three-minute mark. And then I can look at from three to six. Well, then I can't look at it again from until eight minutes and so it breaks it up and then man if once i got to 11 minutes i'm almost halfway done five minute, five minute segments <laughs> when i swim and i try to swim for half an hour five minute segments try so not you, to look at the clock more often than that yeah you got to play these games with yourself 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Frank Dolce is talking Utes next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, Frank Dolce joins us. You an analyst for the Zone Sports Network. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. How is everything? It is excellent, Frank. And you? Yes. Fantastic. Frank joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Frank, a quarterback question for you. Zach Wilson, if he plays all four years at BYU, does he win a game and break the streak? (laughs) Uh... I think Zach Wilson gives BYU as good of a chance of winning that game as, uh, as any quarterback they've had recently. But I think it's not necessarily a one-position group kind of game. I, I, I think you'd have to go position group by position group and say who wins, who wins that battle. Now, I think you could make a case at the quarterback position and say that, that BYU – um, edges out Utah in in that position group. So so let's just say that BYU wins the quarterback battle. Group by position group does does BYU beat Utah in the trenches? So offensive line, defensive line. I think Utah probably comes out on top in that battle. Does you does does BYU beat Utah in the running back position? I don't. I certainly don't think that's that's the case. Defensive backfield, linebackers, uh, wide wide receiver groups, special teams. I think that you could probably go through most of those groups outside of the outside of the quarterback position group and say with some confidence that Utah athletically has the advantage. So one position group, I think that that Zach Wilson probably gives BYU as good a chance as anybody has in recent memory, but it's not a one-position group battle. Yeah, certainly not. It's a team battle. I'm interested in your level of confidence in the trenches because BYU returns most of their line on offense and Utah returns most of their line on defense, but yet it looked like in last year's game that BYU was able to move the ball fairly well, probably about as well as anybody moved it on those guys uh, last year. What gives you the level of confidence that that this year would be a decided advantage towards Utah? Well, I don't know that it's for Utah in in the defensive line versus the offensive group with a bunch of guys for Utah coming back and significant depth at that position group coming back and now the ability to probably run in four four guys at a time and swap out entire groups of defensive linemen Um, and over the course of a game I think that would 
probably be a, a clear advantage for for the youths. And that last year's game, I, I mean, I'm I'm going to get myself into trouble saying that Utah was overlooking an opponent with the championship game coming up, and I think that may have been a little bit of the of the case. And Utah kind of riding high on going into that game and feeling like it was that they were going to be able to manage BYU a little bit better than they were. And then then Zach Wilson played an extremely good game. So lots of funny things happened last year. I think this is the right time for this matchup. And I I think the athletic advantage at the the line of scrimmage, the talent at the line of scrimmage is advantage Utah. I might, you know, on the other side, if you're looking at Utah's offensive line versus BYU's defensive line, I think there's probably, you could probably make the case that that's more of a an even battle, especially given the fact that Utah hasn't really named an offensive line yet. They're kind of hemming and hawing with that position group and saying, well, there's six or seven guys and it's a pretty good group, and but, but they haven't settled on, on those five yet. So is that because they, you think you think the offensive line is flawed, or is that because Kyle Winningham's playing games leading up to the opener? Well, I, I don't think there's I don't I don't think he's playing games. <laughs> I I think it's funny when when people think that Kyle, Coach Winningham plays games. He's pretty pretty he's a pretty straight up guy, and if he does play games, I think it's pretty it, it becomes fairly apparent that he's doing that. So. I just think he's undecided. He's clearly decided about his defensive line. And when he talks about his defensive line, you you have an, a real understanding about what he feels about that position group. And when he talks about his offensive line, there's a different tone. I think he takes a different tone. I think that's evident. So I don't think there's any games being played. I think he's really trying to figure out, along with his coaching staff, what is the right mix of those five guys up front on the offensive side? Yeah, I'd agree with that about Kyle as far as being a straight shooter and not pulling punches when it comes to that stuff. Uh, I think he's proven that that's the case, and so I think your assessment of that situation is extremely accurate because he does pump up the defensive line because he knows they're completely set, and the offensive line is a little bit of a position in transition. As far as that goes, with that in mind, Zach Moss, you know, you talked about that running back, and obviously no one would argue who has the advantage in that in in this particular game, and it's probably going to have the advantage in a lot of games going forward. That's how much I think of Zach, Zach Moss. Uh, with this offensive line being a little bit in flux, and I think at some point they'll get it together, I'm thinking a healthy Zach Moss, when we get to December and we look back, I'm thinking in the 1,500-yard range with this new offense, seems like he's going to get the ball a whole bunch what do you think? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a, a very good number for him, very reachable number for him, based on what we think is going to happen with this offense, and 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 hopefully he stays healthy throughout the season. If he does, then then I think that's a very achievable type of number. And and Moss has worked behind offensive lines that have been a little tattered until you know, a third or a midway through the season during his career. I think that's nothing that he, he hasn't seen before. And and, I, and and the truth is, I think he's going to be, he's going to face that in the first several games this year. An offensive line that's still trying to figure out how to work together, an offensive line that's probably not going to be named until 
sometime next week, maybe even before the, the start of the first game. So, uh, I, I, but, but his talent in his career, he's, he's been able to overcome that, and I don't see that changing uh, at this point. Even, even if you say, well, defenses are going to key on Zach Moss, that's always been the case. As long as he's been, as long as he's been the featured back in this offense, the defenses have been designed and the strategy has been implemented to stop Zach Moss, and it hasn't always been successful. So Zach's a big name and a, and a star on this team. Who is a young guy on this team who's ready to to blow up? And his his name is going to be on all the fans' lips going forward here. A young guy on the team that's going to yep. that's going to blow up and and make a big name for himself. Well, I think the I think the hmm, that's a, that's a good question. But I think maybe in the running back group you're gonna you might possibly find that it's going to be difficult because. <laughs> because Zach is going to be is going to be carrying the majority of the is taking the majority of the reps. So, but I like the I like the new kid. They they keep saying that he's a young Zach Moss, and I, I think that's pretty pretty heavy thing to put on him. But but maybe maybe that running back group in kind of scrap time or or when when Zach Moss needs a little bit of a rest. Then, then that's where it comes from. Outside of that, um, I don't know if I see a young guy on that team being able to break in and really make uh, a name for himself on this on this particular football team. I think there's pretty good upperclassmen leadership in every position group. Yeah, this kid's going to start, so it's not like he's a, a dark horse. But I'm looking for if I choose one guy as a surprise breakout, I'm going with Devin Lloyd. I look at this kid and he has got an oh. NFL body to me, man. He's got the best yeah. NFL body that I've seen of any of their linebackers that they've had in recent years. You know, I think that's. I I think I might uh, as I think about it now. I think that I might agree with you there. Is, is um, and especially since you take into consideration. What a lot of people think is, um, you know, one of the top five defensive lines in the nation, and if those guys are taking up everybody at the line of scrimmage and just allowing the deep, the, the, the linebacker group to roam around and, and make plays without being hindered by offensive linemen, then then that could serve him him extremely well. So. So I yeah I I think I might uh, I might lean on that as well I think that's a good call. So we've seen predictions from the youth seas for the youth season that range all the way from Vegas establishing you know the over under on wins at nine to the youths being the dark horse pick to go to the college football playoff. There's a wide range out there. Some of the bold predictions have them going Alamo or Holiday, but others Rose and playoff. What do you think they're going to do? I I think this team has all of the talent and all of the ability to to kind of reach those lofty goals, and it's certainly a group based on what we think is the the Pac-12 South that 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 has a, a a a well a better than good chance of going through the South and and coming out um, without a loss in the South. So. 
I, I think that I think that it's possible to reach all of those goals. But I I have to be honest as I as I look across this Utah schedule. Um, I'm not saying they can't go undefeated, but I I still think there's I still look at the schedule and I think there's a couple losses in there somewhere. And 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 also to be honest, I don't know exactly where those losses are. So I look across and I say, okay, you have. Washington at Washington, you have USC at USC. Maybe those are like the most likely if there's going to be two losses. But I also say, well, Washington State is a difficult, is always a difficult matchup. I don't like that matchup with Utah. And in fact, I might even say that between the Washington schools, I would give Washington State the edge if Utah's going to split those games. I think Washington and Utah's a better matchup for Utah than Washington State and Utah. So I, I don't know. And I even think that, that, you know, a team like in Arizona State gives Utah heartache. And, and so I, if I'm saying, well, between Arizona State and USC, I think that Utah had, in, in my mind, Utah's a better shot at going down and beating USC, even against the hundred years of not beating USC at home, and 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 maybe taking a, a you know tanking one against against Arizona State. So I, I don't know. I look across that schedule. I think all of those lofty goals are very possible, but I also would say I, I, it looks like there, there's a couple losses on that schedule as well. I don't know how it was in your day as far as quarterbacking, whether in your spring ball or in your training camp and preseason as far as getting hit. But certainly now, you know, you can't get anywhere near the quarterback. Everybody gets upset if you even get within spitting distance of him practically. But I'm wondering, what is your concern for Wilson? Because he had this shoulder surgery, so he wasn't even out there participating. He did participate in most of the training camp. Pronounces himself 100%. But people know everything about everybody and so you'd have to think that if an eye or Penasini, any of these guys get a free shot these linebackers Francis Bernard they know this kid has had this shoulder surgery for sure and I'm wondering does that pump up their adrenaline as they're just about ready to lay into them so how much do you how much concern as a former quarterback do you have about a quarterback I realize he wouldn't have been touched even if he was healthy, but he hasn't been hit combined with the coming off the surgery. Well, I, yeah, I think that's a big. I think it's a big concern, um, especially in in a in a rivalry game. And you know, I I, I don't know that that Utah football players are are going to specifically say, "Hey, we we're, we have to take out." Zach Wilson. That being said, any clean shot that you have on a quarterback, you're certainly you're certainly going to take that and and maybe have a little you know a little extra emphasis because the quarterback that position group is such a protected group. So it's kind of like the it's the trophy on the field when you get a shot at that guy. So, but but you know, first games and rivalry games are always. Always a little strange, and I and I would say that both sides probably there's probably this, you know, this this added intensity in in the game, but it's it's also a, a case where you know maybe 50 or 60 or 70 plays into a game that you're 
that's that's kind of the you're you're pretty tired. I mean, you're 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 still trying to figure out how to be. Although you've gone through camp and you're in, you know, quote unquote game shape, playing a football game is a different deal, and that's why you always have guys going out with cramps in first games and they can't figure it out and they're taking an extra rest here and there. So I think the physical toll that it takes on a person in that game that may alleviate some of the added intensity about trying to take someone out at any particular point in that game. Frank, we appreciate a few minutes. Look forward to talking to you all season long. Well, absolutely. I can't wait. I guess we're going to get on the schedule here coming up on, on Monday, so I look forward to that. But, PK, I just want to mention, I always, I always appreciate your analysis, but I'm, I'm a little perplexed by your thought that if BYU loses this first game, that that is disastrous. For their season, I kind of take the I kind of take the different approach. Unless I've read you incorrectly, but I'm saying if they a long, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm well, saying if they get smoked, this game. Yeah, I, I I hear you, but I still think a loss in in game one is is much more easy to overcome than saying BYU goes down four games to start the season. Then I think you're in real trouble. Oh, for sure, if you're zero four, yeah. But I think if they get hammered, it's like, oh no, here we go again. Because I think they're they're still recovering from four and nine. I don't know. I, I I even think a game if you get hammered in this game, you just kind of think, well, throw that film out. That was an anomaly. Let's okay. you know, let's get going. But so I w- I would think it's an it, game one loss easier to me easier to overcome. If this game happened in game four. And Utah came up on the schedule, and it, and Utah was coming into this, or BYU was coming into this, you know, maybe 0 and 3 or 1 and 2, and then they lose that game. I think it that becomes a disastrous scenario. Game one, I think it's much easier to overcome, and I think that on both both sides. If BYU wins this football game, um, it's it's much easier for Utah to overcome that throughout the rest of the see the course of the season than it would be if Utah lost that game somewhere mid or late in the season. Well, I agree with you, Frank, but then we'd both be wrong. Boom, there it is. <laughs> Saw that one all teed up. Oh, man. I walked into that unintentionally. All right, you guys are the best. All right, thanks, Frank. Thanks. There's Frank Dolce talking college football, talking University of Utah. Now we'll switch from the red to the blue, and we'll talk with Dick Harmon from the Deseret News, the always evolving Deseret News sports staff. We'll talk with him next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's time to talk a little BYU football with Dick Harmon from the Deseret News. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Dick, good morning. Good morning, David. Patrick, how, how is it going? Oh, it's going great. But I got to tell you, man, <clears throat> the D News reminds me like the Yankees in the old days. They used to just buy up all the best talent. <laughs> I mean, what's going on over there? My gosh. 
I'm just building up assets, bringing people in from the dark side. It's, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're glad to have we're glad to have Jay Drew with us. He's a good talent, great asset, um, experienced journalist, and uh, I like Jay personally. I've golfed with him before, traveled with him, spent a lot of time as have both of you. Yep. And uh, yeah, we're, we're we're glad he's here. It's plug and play, right? Brad Brad Rock retires, so you just go out and uh, buy another top talent. This is uh, this is well, the way this is the way the Lakers approach free agency sometimes. I guess so. Yeah, uh, it's all good. So, how many people will be covering the BYU Utah game for the Deseret News at uh, you know eleven thirty, eleven forty five at night, whenever that thing finally wraps up down there in Provo? That's a great question. It depends on if they bring the internet guys in. If they bring the internet guys in, it could be anywhere from four to eight or to six. I don't know how many will be in the press box, but there'll probably be some on the sidelines or in the stands or wherever uh, a reporter can be stuck. But yeah. So as I look at this team, I feel more of a sense of optimism. I feel they have more of a sense of optimism than they did at this time last year. And obviously one of the reasons would be Zach Wilson. But I think they have certainly a a greater sense of optimism at running back. And I've never seen this Williams kid carry a ball live. I can go and look. I can look at numbers and so forth. Um, But I'm wondering how much of a difference maker can he be? Because sometimes these grad transfers... They come in and they're really good, and other times they don't do a whole lot. I'm with you there, Patrick. We haven't seen enough of him. They've had restricted practices. All that we've been able to do is to talk to other players about him, uh, talk to Zach Wilson, uh, talk to A.J. Stewart, his coach, and they're high on him. They believe that he's got the worth ethic. He's been a, a great example as far as what he's done in practices and in team meetings. Uh, physically, he looks like he's got the part. He's, you know, his background in high school is the best running back in uh, South Carolina. Um, he was a 4A, 4-star type of a guy back then, and I don't know what's happened to him in his college career. People at South Carolina say that they're going to miss him. They could have been very productive for him. But the overall, it's more of an overall thing where they've got more bodies to decide and if people break down or get injured or twist an ankle or maybe bang a shoulder, they got more choices now than they did uh, at the end of that last year. It was kind of a disaster. Nothing to take away from Matt Hadley, a converted linebacker, but when he was out there against the Utah defense and he he, he rushed for 64 yards, which I think was fantastic, but he went down in the, the second uh, half and, he, you know, third quarter, and they were done. They really had no other choices. They turned conservative and that was not something that Zach Wilson was very happy about, but that they did what they did to kind of try to write out that lead. In hindsight, maybe they should have been more aggressive, and I think all the coaching staff believes that too. They could have maybe done some things without Matt Hadley being a threat on the run, but they didn't do that either. So most teams uh, struggle to run the ball against the Utes. The Cougars did it. Are they going to do it again? Are you, are you pretty confident in their ability to do that? Oh, I, I don't know. You you got to give Utah's defensive front four a lot of credit. They're they're all back. They all return. If you read the, if you read about them and and listen to what people are saying about them, they they may be the best in college football. So to say that they're going to have immediate success or continued success throughout that game running the ball against that front, uh, I, I think would be precedent. But I I also think that Utah lost a couple of what I thought were some of the best two linebackers in college 
uh, football. Uh, those guys were tremendous at plugging holes, filling gaps, making plays. Uh, it was a tackle on Hadley by one of one of those guys. I think it was Hanson that you know ended his career. Um, I think missing those two playmakers is going to be an adjustment for Utah. And if there's any hope for BYU in establishing the run, it'll be the fact that maybe Francis Bernard and whoever else they put out there um, may or may not be up to the level of those two guys. I think up front, BYU's offensive line is physical. They're big. They're experienced. I think they can lean on people and get them tired over the course of a game. That might be to BYU's benefit. But to say that they're going to come out and push Utah's front four around is really, really a tall ask of this uh, of Jeff Grimes and his offense. But he likes that. He likes the physicality. And I think they do have the people that can try to do that. Whether or not they're successful remains to be seen. But that's one of the intriguing things about this game is, is that line battle. Because BYU really, really feels very, very good about their, their offensive linemen. So with that in mind, if you ask any offensive coordinator, you know, what do you plan for offense this year, run pass? Oh, we're going to be balanced. I mean, you can guarantee they're going to say we're, we're, we're going to be a balanced offense. Everybody says it. With that in mind, what do you think that distribution is percentage-wise between pass and run? Uh, that's a good question. I think a lot of it depends on what the success is in the game. If, if BYU comes out and runs the ball and is able to get three or four yards of carry on the U defense, then I think you'll see them kind of keep with that. But they, they definitely want to stretch the field and test Utah's uh, the rest part of their defense. They've been working a lot on chunk plays, uh, chunk yardage passes. They've been very good at it. Uh, Zach Wilson has been very good with his touch passes. He's leading his, his, his receivers, and they're catching it in stride, and he's letting them run into the ball. Those are all the things that they've been working hard on to, to make that more of a threat because they, they realize with this schedule that they have, they can't afford to go against Washington, Tennessee, Utah, and, and USC and expect to have 12, 13 play drives. I mean, that's, that's just not realistic to think that way. What they need to do is to move the chains and you know, have some plays that go for you know, 9 or 10 or 12 yards and maybe even break off a 30-yarder here and then. You know, that, that's easier said than done, but I think the success of running the ball on, on, on Utah and how much they do that will, will, will really depend right in-game if they're able to do it. So when they want to break off these big plays so they don't need these 13-play drives... Who are the big? Who's the big play guy, or who are the big play guys? Well, I think I think Matt Bushman. Anytime BYU's been successful for the past forty-five years that I've covered BYU football, they've had a tight end that makes plays. Their uh, curl routes, their slants, their they line them out outside the, uh, the 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 tackle box where the you know and split them out wide, and they go against linebackers and safeties, and they make plays. I think Matt Bushman is the kind of guy that can do that. I believe that Hefo is one of the fastest players on this team. Uh, he's a deep threat. Uh, he has uh, he's shown that in his career. They hope that he can do that. Dax Milne is another guy who was a walk-on, preferred walk-on, but now has gained status as a scholarship player. He's got great speed, reads defenses really well, has good moves. I, I think you got to watch Gunnar Romney. He's a bigger receiver with good speed. Um, whether if, if the Ute uh, secondary locks those guys up, they've got to turn to the tight ends. And uh, I think Matt Bushman is a guy that could get him the yards. He's proven that. Defensively, they're going to need some playmakers. They've had some great linebackers, as you say, in the last 45 years with the tight ends, and that's a fact. And you could also say at the linebacker position, they've had some big-time studs there. Uh, who are you looking forward to maybe take some of the role of the studs that they've had in prior seasons? 
Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a real test for them losing uh, Sione Taki Taki because he was such a great playmaker, great speed, great attitude, tough guy. I, I think Zane Anderson fits that mold of slash linebacker. He's he's got tremendous speed. Um, he, he's a heady player. He's a senior. He's been around the block. Uh, I think Jackson Kafusi has shown flashes of brilliance. Um, they got a guy named uh, uh, Peyton uh, Wilgar. His father, Dana Wilgar, played in 72, 73, 74, with some of those first bowl games. He's a hard hitter. He's got good size at 6'3", 225. Um, they've got this uh, uh, Peely kid, I think, that can be stuck in it, uh, at middle linebacker or outside linebacker. And I think that they're really in – they're really trying to find answers. And if there's one weakness right now of that team, I think is trying to plug in players for those that have lost or have been injured. For instance, at corner, I think Chris Wilcox and uh, Troy Warner, those two have been out. And they're, they're really playing young corners at that one position. They moved Dylan uh, Gondalco over at one corner position, and he's the best tackler cover guy they got. That kind of shows you that they were kind of concerned about that area, bringing him in from safety. So yeah, if there's any weaknesses, it's just these guys are young and inexperienced on defense, and they're kind of trying to get what they can do. As of yet, they haven't named some of those guys. They haven't named them as starters at number one or number two, and that kind of shows you how concerned they are about making not only the right choice, but keeping them all engaged during practice every day until uh, perhaps maybe the first of next week when they say, okay, you're number one. They haven't done that yet. So are the Utes going to be able to run the ball on the Cougars? You bring up all these questions about the defense, and you know what the game plan is. It's not going to change. They're going to try to run it down their throats. I think that should be the game plan. I think they ought to test this defensive front seven of BYU, and they got the people that can do it. I mean, I've been very impressed with Utah's three-deep running back situation, whether or not Zach Moss is able to go in this game. We still don't know, but expect that he will even if he's got a cast on his arm. Um, the Utes have always had tremendous run game uh, performances um, over the years, put people in the NFL. And I, I think you test that. You say, yeah, let's go out. Let's see. Let's get down to the dirty part in the, in the middle, and let's push people around, see if we can get it done. If they do that, they'll just keep doing it. So, yeah, I would expect that would be a game plan that, uh, that the Utes would, uh, would definitely try, and Andy will press that button as often as he can. How much is Kalani coaching for his job? You know, that, that, that's a good question. Tom Homo kind of shook that off yesterday when he talked about renewing his contract and it wasn't an issue if he beat this team or that team or what he did. But I think that what he's done, Pat, if you follow things, he's really cleaned up a lot of problems that they had off that four-win team uh, where a lot of things just went downhill. He's asked people to leave. He's pushed people out. He's brought other people in. He's he's accepted the standard that you're going to do it academically and you're going to do it with the honor code. And, you know, we'll give you a break here and we'll give you a break there. But if you continually are a serial offender and it's dragging down our program and our team, you're gone. You're gone. I don't care who you are. And he's even told recruits that have yet to commit or sign, that, hey, you just won't fit in here. Let's Let's find you a better place. So he has bought into that, and I think the administration appreciates the fact that he, as the point man, is going to make those decisions and is going to be the filter for what they need to keep their program clean. Now, as far four decades of covering this team, they always have guys that mess up, and they will. They'll continue to do that. But as a filter and a point person representing, they really need him to be that guy that's going to make some hard decisions, and he's doing that, and I think that pleases them very much. 
Do you think they're built to handle this four-game stretch at the start of the season? Can they get out of it 2-2? Two and two? You know, I don't know how many teams they were built to do that. I, I think it'll be tough. If they if they were to win one game or two games, I think this would be a successful September. It, the, the real possibility is this could be an improved team, be a, a much improved team, but go on 4 And that, that that's the reality of this schedule in September. I would think they have a better chance on their home field against Utah than – um, than, than some would expect. Um, they are going to be an underdog, but I think that motivates them. I think the way that they played against Washington is kind of scary because they didn't show up last year at Washington. That was awful. And it was kind of a reminiscent of the game that they played against LSU. They had nothing. They didn't show anything. So I think that team has matured in a way uh, to where that won't be a big problem. USC's down. Um, they've got all kinds of issues. Maybe you can get them on your home uh, field if things are clicking. Uh, Washington, again, I, I don't know. So, you know, if they won two games, I think it would be a big success for this football team. So is BYU really pumping up Jim McMahon? I don't know that BYU is, but his former teammate uh, Tom Olmo is. I mean, <laughs> What was that about? <laughs> I, I think if a fan asked in the audience, he was, he was facing a couple of hundred people at Education Week and something that, that's a tradition that Tom does. And somebody raised their hand and said, why are you guys always pumping up Jim McMahon when he doesn't represent a lot about the school that, you know, we all stand for? And Tom got kind of teary-eyed and he said, hey, listen, he's the best teammate that I ever had. And he's had some good ones, including Ronnie Lott. But the people that know Jim McMahon that can look aside from some of the things that, you know, he was involved in and, you know, kind of pushing the edge and the envelope on, on rules and that. Jim was, Jim was one, one of the, the, best, the best athletes and best people, uh, persons that, that were around. I remember doing a radio show like the one that you guys are doing, and I asked. We just started off at KOVO down in Provo. And I asked Jim McMahon to come be on that program, um, to show up at the studio and to do that. And I had no idea if he would or would not. But he, he came down there in this place that you could hardly find out in, west, out, out in the west by the lake, uh, west suburbs. Um, and he showed up there in his green duster, came in there and spent 35, 40 minutes. But he has done so much uh, for people um, in helping them financially. Um, he was a tremendous leader and friend to the and teammates, to the people that he was around. And I think people forget. They, they look at the other part. It's kind of the punk quarterback. But he's done a lot of things that have meant a lot of lot to people and built relationships that they really care about. And if you were to talk to any of his teammates, they'd feel the same way about him. You want to ask him to be on our show? Absolutely. You'd do okay. it. Okay. Go golfing with him. He, he golfs barefoot, too. It's kind of funny. Okay. I, I didn't expect that. You ever golf barefoot, PK? No, I got bad feet, man. <laughs> yeah, that, you're right. That. That'd be a bad look. Well, Dick, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us and, uh, you know, the uh, cast of thousands from the Deseret News ready to swarm the press box. You're going to need your own row. (laughs) It's all good. It's all fun. It's good to see you guys and talk to you, and thanks for having me on your program. There's Dick Harmon from the Deseret News. Coming up next, the headlines. What is trending?